0: Sex and money, especially sex and money combined is my favorite thing in the world. And this was that opportunity. And I like dipped my toes in it with like very implied, very like modest photos. And I loved it. And it helped me work through a lot of my judgment and shame and fear and guilt in real time.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So, after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. If you're doing it the right way, anyway. Join me as I make friends with world class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Dierdek, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So, if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version, of yourself, and subscribe to the show and keep on listening, because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's going on, everybody? Today, I'm making friends with Nicole Mitchell. This is going to be an interesting conversation because this episode was actually originally recorded for an episode of uh, our other show, Figuring It Out, that I was doing with my wife, Jackie, and my producer, Eric. And then we ended up just getting way too busy with this original show. And so now we're releasing this episode on this show uh, because it was a really, really great conversation with... A few people who grew up super religious who are maybe not that way anymore. And so we talk about the transition away from that. So basically, Nicole is a pastor turned stripper and life coach and basically an OnlyFans um, creator. She was on Food Stamps a few years ago, and now she's doing seven figures. She's been featured on Jimmy Kimmel. She's been featured on Dr. Phil, New York Post, IR Radio. And all these different uh, publications and things like that. It's honestly just a really interesting conversation uh, with somebody who has made a very eclectic and unique transition in her life. Um, And so uh, my wife joins me on this episode. My producer, Eric, joins me on this episode. And then we bring Nicole in just to have a candid conversation about what it's like being the pastor turned OnlyFans creator. And what that's meant for her life, how it's affected her life, maybe some of the negatives, some of the positives. Uh, This is a really, really interesting conversation. It's not typically where we go uh, here on the show, uh, but I thought that it was uh, really relevant for the topic of making friends, learning how to create empathy in your life and have conversations with people that maybe you disagree with sometimes, and that's okay, and it's still okay to have respect for your fellow human beings. So I really, really enjoyed talking with Nicole. I know uh, my wife Jackie and Eric uh, did as well, Uh, so I hope that you enjoy listening to this episode. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Nicole Mitchell. Nicole, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, of
1: course. Uh, I remember. I remember we first connected on Instagram because of you know mutual friend of ours, kind of introing us a little bit. And then as soon as I saw your Instagram bio, I was like, "This got to be a figuring out interview." Yes, um, because it's a pretty catchy phrase there that <laughs> caught my eye, which is I'm sure why you have it, which said "pastor turned stripper," <laughs> and I was like. That is an interesting story. <laughs> let's talk about that sometime. So, before we kind of get into like nitty gritty or details or anything, let's just kind of like overarching quick story time here from, mm-hmm. you know, let's say nine, 10 years old up through, you know, college, post, you know, post high school, stuff like yeah. that. Tell, tell us, set the scene. Yeah. What it was like.
0: So, I was raised independent Baptist, evangelical in the church. Three days a week, very committed. But even at that age, it's so funny you said nine or 10 or eight or nine. It was around that age that I was like, I knew that I wanted to be a stripper of some kind without any exposure. I would see maybe like the magazine covers in the checkout lane at grocery stores, and I'd see like a sexy model and a magazine cover. I'm like, that. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. So the little cues I got spoke to something deep in me and very quickly learned you can't talk about that in Sunday school with your girlfriends. So I very quickly <laughs> shoved it down. Don't no? like, <laughs> acknowledge. You
1: can't talk about it with your guy friends either on Sunday school. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw those same magazines.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, doesn't every girl want to be this? Mm-hmm. I just assumed since it was my desire, everyone had that desire. And I very quickly learned at a very young age, not only do they not have it, it's very wrong to have it. So I shoved it down and I very much picked up on the messaging in the church about what it means to be a good girl. So Mm -hmm. I devoted myself to the script because I am. when I do something I do with my whole heart, I am all in and that's how I was in the church. Even into college, I went to Bible college, loved Bible college so much that I wanted to go to seminary. So I um, was accepted into seminary right after college with a presidential scholarship. I was just such like a nerd, still am. Like I love learning and going deeper and I love history. And then it would be not till my late 20s, early 30s that through my then husband, which I would jokingly and lovingly call him my gateway drug to all things liberal, because he was more open-minded and further along in that journey than I was, I started to slowly deconstruct and re-examine everything I've been taught with no idea where it would lead me. And as you said, I'm in a, I'm here now doing adult work full-time.
1: Slippery and-
2: slope, Nicole. <laughs> It's
0: been the best ride I've <laughs> taken yet.
2: It's like a backwards testimony. Yeah. I yeah, exactly. You <laughs> think now, because at the time, and someone asked me this on a podcast recently, like, when you're in something that's so insular and you're mm. not getting any outside influence at all, like where do you think that came from to like see Mm. a crack in that or to see like some other path besides what you're raised in? Because I still don't know for me what that voice is.
0: I think it's both. And I actually think there's an inside voice. Like I think even though I was raised in this very insulated incubator where I didn't have much exposure to the world, something in me knew I was meant for something different. And I remember growing up, my mom would always say to me, you're very sensual, you're very, and I never knew what that meant as a child, but I, looking back, I'm like, I was, I was very connected to my body, very pleasure focused, and at a very young age. I think something in me was like looking for an outlet. So when I would get little glimpses in the world, whether it was the the magazine covers or if I went to my girlfriend's house, I remember seeing a Madonna music video in third grade and I was like glued to the television. I'm like that, because the way she's moving our body and she's performing, I'm like, I want that. And then I got so excited, I told my mom about it, and then I got in trouble that I would watch that, and I didn't know that that was bad. So little moments like that, what I think would speak to that feeling and desire I had inside of me, and it slowly fanned it into flame.
1: Is your partner right now a female?
0: No, he's a dude. So that's another reason why I'm like, I love him to pieces. But I I told him when we first started dating, I was like, I can't be exclusive or monogamous. I was in a monogamous relationship for 12 years. I am... Starving, um, and I was sexually starved in my marriage.
1: So, was your your ex husband? Did he grow up the same way that you grew up?
0: He grew up Christianish, like he would go to church and that on Sundays with his mom, and that was about it. It's like community church, Christian, yes. yeah. 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 And then when he was, I think, in middle school, I think he stopped going. She didn't force him, so he's always like loosely Christian, but wasn't attached to it. And like by the time I met him, he was so laid back, and like, and then throughout our marriage, when I finally. Years into it stopped going to church, he was like finally, like he had stopped really? going to church performing. Okay. He was so ready. Okay. So that was even an interesting part of our that relationship. Is yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. No kidding.
3: (laughs) Life is a trip.
1: There's so much to unpack. Where were you in
3: parenting at that point then? Did you have kids when you guys? Yep. I had all my kids then. Okay. So they, Mm. so you, so they, they started going to church. Yes. They were very involved. And then I pulled them out. Okay. And do they go to church
0: now then? My youngest son goes on occasion with his dad. Uh, We're divorced now. And, but my girls don't want to go. So he doesn't make them go. Oh,
3: nice. Okay. At least he's respectful about that. Yeah. Which is huge. that's That's
0: I feel like a lot of dads wouldn't.
3: Yeah, do that. So I'm definitely. I'm sure. grateful.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned your mom pointing things out. I'm assuming it was not a positive right. pointing it out, right? I mean, or yeah. did you have anybody that you were able to talk to through any of this? <clears throat> or was it kind of just, I'm going to have the conversations inside myself and mm-hmm. then break the news to people about each step of this process?
0: Yeah, it was very internal just because I think I, you know, as kids, we want to be safe and loved. And when I learned these things that were being pointed out were bad and wrong, I learned that might cost me to be safe and loved. So I think I stuffed it down and had no one to talk about it to, which is why I'm so committed as a mom, being so open with my children. And like, they can say anything to me and I'm not going to shut them down or punish them. It's like, I never had the chance to ask or question or process with someone. And I think that was detrimental. And there's a lot of experiences I could have had, I could have avoided. Had there just been communication and safety for that? So no, there was no one for me to turn to. So in some, I think in seventh grade, I learned about like teen magazines and they always had like this like write-in section and like confession section. I was like starving because like people would actually say what they're thinking, what they're feeling. They're getting advice from the columnist. And I would like read them at my girlfriend's. And one time I went on a road trip and I'm like obsessed with it. And she could tell, she's like, you can take it home. And I'm like, oh my God, I would get in so much trouble. I brought a teen magazine, so I stuffed it in my pillowcase because I just like, it was my only outlet and connection to some someone or people who thought like me and felt like me. And then I got found and I got in trouble. And that was, that was my one tiny outlet in seventh did, grade.
1: Did you always feel like you were trying to break free of that? Or did you feel really guilty that you were having those like thoughts or desires? Yes,
0: yeah, so much guilt. Okay. I think it was like this inner battle of like, shove it all down, ignore it. But like, it's there and I'm so curious, but I feel bad that I'm curious and yearning yeah. And so I just kind of oscillate between the two feelings. I mean, yeah,
1: I mean, that pretty much describes my experience.
3: Completely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love to hear how, I mean, obviously when you got out of it as a woman, it's something that I struggle with, that we've talked mm-hmm. about it a lot, even just purely the emotional side mm-hmm. of it, of how much guilt comes with even being in marriage. I mean, we I mean we were high school sweethearts, so we got married in it. But even then we felt guilty about sex for a long time, mm-hmm. even in the Confines in marriage. So I would love to know how did you like, did you do, like, how did you work through that? I and mean, how did you get? Yeah. Oh my gosh,
0: about sex specifically? Yeah. Or, yes. I've always felt like one big hormone with two little feet running around in the world, like okay. starting in like eighth grade, like just a jet hormone. I've been called, including by like people close to me, like, you're a dude, Nicole. Like, I'm just like, I could hit that, I could hit that. We should be Like, I just like very, very sexual person. And so I tried so hard to follow the script. I did like the purity ring, the Mm -hmm. purity pledge card. I was so committed to my future husband.
2: (laughs) It proved effective.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But my hormones were stronger. And so I had (laughs) sex in high school and it was all so so much guilt. And because I knew I was doing something wrong, I couldn't, I wouldn't advocate for myself. Because then you're actively doing something wrong. And I felt like this was more passive. I'm like, whoa, totally. it happened. But if I brought a condom, oh, you were planning on yeah. it. Or right. if you yeah. planned, like, so there was no planning. There was no sex education. There was no contraception because that would be all premeditated, yeah. which makes you even more sinful and evil yeah. and right. instead of just healthy and appropriate. Yeah. And so, so I had so much guilt that when I went to Bible college, I was like, I'm gonna stay married to Jesus until my husband comes along. And so then I was (laughs) celibate, I like self-imposed celibacy for six years. Cause I'm like, I I didn't go on a single date for all of college. Two years after college, I'm like, I am so committed to Jesus, starving. I was so like, I saw my girlfriends. I'm like, I'm so horny. I'm going to go crazy. And they're like, I find if you just open up the freezer door and scream, it helps. I'm like, that does not what? help. That does not give me <laughs> that's great totally
3: advice. How God really? it to happen.
0: That does not work for me. Um, and then I broke that celibacy by having sex with someone on the first date because that's the person I am. I typically have sex on the first date. So then I broke the celibacy and I had sex and I had sex on the first date. And I was just like, I'm a horrible human. Yeah, back to the guilt. Just like so sad. Yeah. Yeah. And so I look back and I think of all the sexual experiences that were robbed from me because of this programming, like if I could have gone in educated and confident, equipped with the tools, the knowledge, consent, condoms, yeah. and then free, God, I would just be, I think, further along in my journey. I was yeah. so afraid to explore and experiment.
1: Do you remember, I feel like for us in a way, and for a lot of people that that I know, there was— At least one, but probably several moments where like the foundation just kind of started shaking a little bit and you start kind of diving a little bit further down, a little bit further down. I always call it like the crack in the dam, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. like the very first sign that like, oh, wait a second, Mm -hmm. things that I thought were this way turns Mm -hmm. out aren't always that way. What else could I be wrong about? Yes. Do you remember any sort of moments like that?
0: Yes, I have a huge one, but I, I, one of the first cracks is when I was taught in the church that um, being LGBTQ was sinful and wrong, something to me did not resonate. Even as a little kid where like yeah. you wouldn't think I would know any better, I was just, like, it never landed. And then when I went to high school, uh, I went to many schools growing up, and when I went to my ninth school in ninth grade, that was my first school there were publicly out queer people and I was the most drawn to them. And I realized they're more loving than my Christian friends. So I just knew something was off. So like that was a crack. The biggest crack happened though in 2016 when I realized I was queer and I thought I was straight my whole life. I thought I was only into dudes my whole life. And I was like, if I don't even know my own sexuality, my own body, my own pleasure, my own desires, what else do I not know? And that began like this two-year deconstruction journey And I kind of felt like Elsa, like being called into the unknown by this tiny whisper. And I was so terrified of what I would find out there because I was leaving my community and my church and my family to figure out what's true for me. Not what you said is true, but what's true for me.
1: So you came out while you were still at the church. Mm -hmm. Were you in like a position in ministry at that time,
0: yes, I was in a leadership position, so I didn't come out publicly okay. during that time because I would probably lose my position.
1: Yeah, what yeah. I was going to say, what were was that in the Independent Baptist Church, or was that in like kind of generic? Yes, Christian? it started
0: as Baptist, and then it became just evangelical. Okay. And they were they would say, "Oh, queer people are welcome here, but don't push your queer agenda." I was saying, like, well, "Welcome you're until right? you convert.
2: Yes. You're
3: welcome <laughs> yes. just so we yeah. can make you not <laughs> that it way." Shifted
2: if you were in a leadership position, yeah. That would yeah, mean, no, no.
1: Yeah, yeah, for, for yeah, sure. for us the way that we grew up, it was like women weren't even allowed to be in leadership positions. Yes,
0: this was the first church my entire life where women could be, and so, I was. So they were
2: like being progressive, yes. in some ways. Yep, but yeah. that was like one of the things that we're still holding on. Yes,
0: but then as I rose up in leadership, I actually saw the game that it was. It was just to have a token. Yeah. So, if we can have a woman in leadership, we can say check, but we actually treat her as inferior and subpar. We don't pay her as much. We don't give her as much opportunity, but we can say we have women in leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's eventually what caused me to walk away because it was it was a game and it wasn't yeah. real and it burned me. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair. It's very fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Maybe. You're singing of a billion things. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, so, so, so many things. So many things. He
1: only has like 500 episodes about right. church, <laughs> church <laughs> drama on his yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking my wheels are just turning about. Okay, so yeah. I want
3: to talk about parenting then, because that's yeah. like my big thing. Okay, right. so moving on to that. So you totally. have two daughters, especially too.
1: Before before you do that, Ooh. sorry, okay. Cotella, I want to like we'll complete there. the story. Yeah. So like you grow up very Christian, you go to Bible college, you go to seminary, you're in ministry. Talk to us about like the bridge between then and then what you do now.
0: Yeah. What you do for
1: a living. So it was
0: during that deconstruction journey in 2016, 17, 18, that I unlearned so much and kind of returned home to who I really am and what I wanted out of life. And I've always been a very sensual and sexual person. And I've always, for years before this, my best friend would take naked pictures of me all the time. And I would just save my phone. I just like wanted to show the world, but like, who does that? Um, So I would just save them. And so finally in 2019, I, I felt ready and I learned about OnlyFans. And I was like, what? Like, I don't have to go in the club? Like, that if I could redo life over, I would have been a stripper at age 18. But I'm older and I have kids and I like my freedom and my I like being my own boss. So when I learned about OnlyFans, I was like, oh my gosh, there's actually a platform where I can post these photos I've had for years and people could pay me. Ah! Like <laughs> sex and money, especially sex and money combined is my favorite thing in the world. And this was that opportunity. And I like dipped my toes in it with like very implied, very like modest photos. And I loved it. And it helped me work through a lot of my judgment and shame and fear and guilt in real time as I evolved. And now I do it full time and I make full on explicit work and I love it. Um, And that's how it kind of got me here.
3: You said unlearned though. So how did you unlearn? Because that's a big thing. Yeah, How did you work through that? I read a lot of books. Okay, Um,
0: I listened to different podcasts. I was like a silent stalker on Facebook. So I'd watch these like debates go down between like Christians and non-Christians and liberals and conservatives. And I even remember thinking, I'd watch my conservative people and and Republicans and Christians engage and they'd be so cruel. And I, I remember thinking, even if these liberal people are wrong, I would choose them at the end of the day because of who they are and how they treat other people. And so that's why I always tell my clients, when you post on social media, there's so many silent lookers you don't know about who are yeah. reading what you're writing, who will never engage, never like, never comment, never share, but you are forming them and yeah. and like guiding them home because I was one of those people. And so I think social media was huge for my liberation. And then I end up going to a very liberal seminary um, in 2017. I graduated in 2019. And I credit them for me losing my faith because it's inter uh, interreligious. So we had Muslims and atheists, Baha'i, Jews, Christian. Mm. And I'm in all these classes. We're all studying scripture though, because we, they came for the Bible and all of their interpretations were a million times better than the one I was given growing up. And I was like, mine is so whitewashed, male centric. There is no room for me as a queer biracial woman. And that's what I was like, all right, none of this fits me. I'm leaving it and f- forge my own path.
3: Do you feel like it ever came to a a time though where you just like, do you feel like you still struggle with it to this day? Or is it like at this point Mm -hmm. in your life, you feel like it's just like, you're good with where you're at or do you still feel like you still battle the guilt that like mm-hmm. you were brainwashed to think for the last yeah. however many years.
0: No, I did throw out seminary though, 2017, 2019, I'd have so much guilt, especially when I pulled my kids out of the church. Yeah. That's yeah. so
1: recent. Without yeah, know, that's, that's really, yeah. So yeah. Those
0: were their friends and yeah. that was our community. Yeah. And when sure. I pulled them out, I'm like, are they going to hate me? Yeah. Yeah. And like, so are I'm they going gonna... to- the
1: Well, not even <laughs> not even hate you, but just like, that's got to be confusing for a kid coming coming out of that just to be like, this, this is the truth. And now like- Maybe it's not. yeah you know, How like did you know that?
3: Did you have conversations with yes. them about it? Okay, so you're just completely honest. You and
1: your husband? Yeah, Greg's and he husband.
3: was, cause he was supportive
0: then. And so for a while, when it's, once I left my mega church, you know, my oldest was really wanting to keep going. So I found, uh, well me and uh, two other queer people started a queer church for a year and then I left after a year. So we went to that church like once a month or so to like give her exposure, make her feel connected to something traditional. And that's kind of how we both weaned off because I just found even there, this church I'm like helping lead, I'm just like, I, I was done. I was so yeah. burned out on any form of church. And slowly, I think my kids got used to it not being a part of their life. Mm. Um, and when they would ask hard questions, I would be really honest and just be like, mommy's trying to figure things out. And like, like, I'd say like, you know, the church doesn't support that girls like you can be leaders. I can't put you in a place that says you can't be a leader. That's not true and it's not okay. And they're like, what? They believe that? that's, that's crazy. So we'd have these conversations and we still have these conversations because then they have questions about divorce and they have questions about my work. And so there are just, is this ongoing conversations in my home?
1: Yeah. How do you handle the conversations about your work?
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, that was to be my most terrifying question when I, I've done so many interviews. I'm like, please don't ask me about my kids. Please don't ask me about my kids. And that's my favorite question because I, it's not talked about enough. And like, my favorite interviews typically are with sex workers and how they raise their children because I'm gleaning from those who've gone before me. Yeah. But I, one nice thing is because I'm so open about my work, I don't try to keep it a secret. So I'm, I have more lingerie than I have real clothes. I have tons of sex toys. I've been publishing magazines that they find around the house. Like I've had photo shoots at my house. So they see me walk around naked or in lingerie and they'll be like, your butt jiggles, mom. I'm like, everybody's butt jiggles. So it's like, we kind of have these yeah. normal conversations. And even recently my seven-year-old wanted to watch Titanic and my friend was babysitting. And my friend was like, well, I don't know. We should probably call your mom and ask. And my seven-year-old's like, why? My friend's like, well, because there's like a naked woman in it. And he's like, I see my mom naked all the time. <laughs> like totally normal. And it made my heart so happy that like a woman's body and a woman being confident in her body and expressing her body is normal to my kids. Yeah. And then my kids know there's been conflict between me and my family about what I do. And so my oldest, she's 12, and I will talk about a lot. And she like, so can you tell me why again? Your, your parents don't like what you do and I'm like, well, here's why and I'm like I love what I do but like this is why for you, whatever you end up doing with your life, I will support you because it's not about you being who I need you to be I want you to be who you came here to be and that's something like my family isn't able to accept yeah that's beautiful yeah
1: your your parents are still very much
3: mm-hmm.
1: kind of independent or fundamentalist mm-hmm. or whatever
3: yeah okay so is that relationship then non-existent, or do they just Correct. like they let you know about it? Okay, yeah.
0: It, we tried for years, and then I finally had to put strong boundaries of like, until you can love and accept me, there's no relationship. I still have guilt over that, yeah, because um, I think the hard one of the hardest things is for a kid to not have parents, yeah, especially when I, it's something I yearned for. I yearned to totally. be loved and accepted, and to not have that yet at this age, it still kind of haunts me, and I have to. It's gonna have to continue like work on and heal. Sure. Yeah,
2: I am curious. Because when I think about like your life then versus now, like, and I work with a lot of people who've been through like trauma and things like that, and so I'm curious. Like objectification is a big thing in the church, like, mm. the way that women are treated, mm. the way that they're. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> but it, it is like it is very much like purity culture. I think is as toxic as like rape culture. Like I talk about mm. that a lot. I'm curious the balance of like going into an industry because I think people. And the church would say, well, the adult industry objectifies women. It treats women like objects. It's, you know, all these things. And then you could look at the church and go, women can't leave. They don't, they're powerless. Like, there's all these other things. Like, did you feel any reticence mm-hmm. about, like, stepping into that world? Mm-hmm. Like, and the toxicity that can be in that mm-hmm. world? And, like, how did you navigate? Like, what's a safe space to express mm-hmm. myself versus, like, what is predatory toward yeah. me?
0: Totally. Yeah, yeah I because I had been taught to fear men. Right to fear their gaze, to fear their lust, to fear being a stumbling block, and so I had to work through all of that because stumbling block. <laughs>
1: That's the word. <laughs> That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. And it's your fault. Kind of word of the day. Not theirs. Word of the day. No matter
0: theirs. how much you unlearn and deconstruct, the language is like deeply embedded. <laughs> so it's sure though. The worst. So it's code. It's code written into
1: your <laughs> yes. brain. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I was. And I I love being objectified. Like, that's the difference, right? Is like in the church I was raised in, I was objectified without my consent. Mm-hmm. Now I do work where I consent to being objectified. I love it. It like turns me on. But I had to work first through the fear of, I'm doing a bad thing. I'm leading men astray. I'm horrible, I'm causing them to cheat on their wives or girlfriends. Like, all this craziness, kind of these blanket statements. And it wasn't until I actually talked to people in the industry and about their journey and how they navigate it that I became aware of the fact that sex workers tend to be the most ethical, communicative, and honest and healthy humans precisely because of the nature of their work. It's not Mm. what the church taught me. You're like, they're desperate, they're broken, they have daddy issues, they were raped, like— these are like incredibly grounded, smart,
2: secure,
0: secure, confident, intentional humans. And I'm like, I want to be more like you. And so I find a lot of wisdom from fellow sex workers.
2: That's something uh, I was talking with an independent Baptist pastor who interviewed me and was like grilling me about different things. And he was like, we're talking about LGBT issues and stuff. And and I was like, if they are two consenting adults, I'm not concerned if it's yes. if it's a youth pastor and a teenage girl. I'm concerned. You know, yes, like yes. And, and <laughs> not so, the same. same How you mean. had to say that is right. shocking, but, but, but okay. But he, <laughs> what? but he asked, like, so he's like, so as long as it's consensual, it's fine. And I was like, I struggle to find why it's my problem. Other like, why it's like, my concern? Like, consent seems to be the ethical, moral difference. You yeah. know, because he was like, oh. what about? You know, same-sex marriage. What about you know all these different things? And I was just like, yep, one, perfect. how do you have the energy to police everybody? But two, like <laughs> that seems to be the hinge that like makes yes. it okay. I don't know.
0: It's I I wasn't taught <laughs> consent, yeah. and this is right part of how how the church maintains was, yeah. control until five years into my marriage. And I I found these new girlfriends at my new church, and they were like, "Oh, we say no to sex to our husbands all the time." And I was like, "You can say no," oh, and yeah, they're like. <laughs> Yeah. I had never said no, even no, it's when your, I was it's your duty. Si- yeah, yeah, sick or exhausted or mad or we just had to fight. I, if he wanted, I gave it. And bitterness, obviously, it was of years. But like, I was being a good wife. Yep. And so once I learned what consent was, I'm like, how was I not taught this at age four? Right. So when I learned it, my kids are very uh, consent based If I like, hey, honey, come on, like. I didn't say you could touch my shoulder. I'm like, you're right, your body, your choice. I'm sorry. I just yeah. like, out of love, I like, yeah. pat. But I love that they can even say that because yeah. I want them to practice saying, because sometimes we have the hardest time saying it to people closest to us. And I want them, they can say it to their mom. Yeah. My hope is that they can translate to people in their life.
2: Yeah. I mean, you were, were you taught consent, really? I mean. In what? What do you mean? Like, what were way? you taught, like, Consent period, period. yeah. <laughs> period. I'm, I don't What do you? What do you what I don't think that? that we've. Yeah. No. It was never a conversation. Never. I mean, or like ever. even little stuff. Like I'm a parent now, so like even stuff like I just think back of like, well, hug your uncle. Like, what are you doing? Yes. It's Christmas. Like, yeah. We your talk about that
3: a lot with our There's kids. So much
2: stuff now where I'm like, oh, you really? If you don't want
3: like, to, don't do it. Yeah. It. Just like high five them.
2: Yeah.
3: I do that. Yeah. You want to give them a high five? Don't like you don't force my kid to hug you. Like and yeah. they need to be comfortable with it. Makes you know? it weirder. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's, me. that's what keeps yeah. them like connected to their that.
0: body, right? Yeah. It's like it's those little moments throughout a childhood where it's like you hug your uncle, you do this, yeah. you do that, you don't do like you're told, and so you get disconnected from your knowing. So when you're an adult. You don't even know what your knowing is. You don't even know what you want. And so my job as a parent is like, I want them to stay connected to their body. I want them to stay connected to their knowing. And so I'll always check in. How are you feeling? What do you think about this? What are your thoughts? So when my kids are like, do you believe in God, mom? And I'm like, well, I used to. Now I'm not so sure. What do you think? And I always want to bring it back to them and not like believe what I believe. Or like, do you think Santa's real? I'm like, well, when I was a kid, I totally thought he was real. Now I don't think he's real what do you think? And they're like, oh, I totally think it's real. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. And just kind of giving them permission and consent to like believe what you feel is right for you and like keep having conversation over time, but you are not required to believe what I believe. That's
1: awesome. So to hijack your kid's question then, what do you believe about God at this point?
0: (laughs) I feel like, I remember one time.
2: (laughs) You know, reverse card, let's go.
0: In my liberal seminary, they asked, like if one of my professors asked our whole class, if you could describe God in two words, what it would be? And I love that challenge. And the words that came to me was loving energy. Hmm. So I don't know if it's necessarily a being, I don't know, I don't even know if it's real, but I do believe energy is real and I do believe love is real. And so I think loving energy is the closest concept I can get to of a God, Hmm. if there is one.
1: What do you believe about how that works out in a day-to-day?
0: Yeah, so I, you know, my seven-year-old the other day made some comment about hell and I'm like, well, hell's not real, honey. And what about heaven? I'm like, I don't think heaven's real either. I think we have the ability to create heaven or hell on earth. Like we can create a beautiful life that like impacts other people and makes the world a better place. Or we can create a life where we hurt others and we make the world a worse place for everyone. And so like my job is to create as beautiful of a life as possible that I think makes the world a better place. And so I translate it into a very real human experience.
1: Yeah, Rob Bell talks a lot about that. I don't know if you know um, Mm -hmm. Rob Bell. Yeah, I used to be into him. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I know he talks a lot about that kind of stuff, about how it's not a real place. It's not literal. It's talking about kind of a state of mind that you can enter into while you're here on Mm -hmm. earth. But I think that just comes down to whether or not, you know, it all comes down to the Bible. Like, what Mm -hmm. do you believe about the Bible? Mm -hmm. You know, because if it's you know, just a, a book, then you, there's a lot of great philosophy lessons in there. Mm-hmm. Like exactly what you're saying about, you know, like Jesus' teachings were still really strong in a lot of senses, and you can still take away a lot of really amazing things from them. Uh, but then when you start taking it extremely literally, mm-hmm. that's when you have all these people that come up with different conclusions. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're saying, like you're in a seminar, <gasps> seminary studying the same book, mm-hmm. and there's 14 people in there that are all saying something different about what yes. that book says. But it's not... Supposed to be, he's not the author of confusion.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like,
1: seems like it's kind of confusing. <laughs> like, none of us agree on it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, if it weren't confusing, we'd all be like, "Yeah, that's it," mm-hmm. and we all agree because it's very clear. You know? And I almost
0: feel like sometimes that's the purpose of that book is fostering that kind of conversation with multiple perspectives, interpretations, and like, hmm. what can we learn from each other, and how does that make us a better person and a better people to each other. Into the earth, into future generations. The point isn't necessarily the book. I think when I would see that conversation happen, I'm like, oh my God, this is it this is what's supposed to be happening. The connection, the conversations, the communication, not what is the correct dogma beliefs we can extract from this ancient book. And now because I'm super- Not the checklist. Right, and now that I'm I'm a pervert, I'm super sexual, I love reading scripture from a a sexual perverted lens. And so everything is sexual to me. So like when that woman on the roof like hides the two spies under her skirt, I'm like, threesome. So now (laughs) like scripture is really fun for me because I'm like freed from what I was taught. It was meant to be this. And I read it now from like a more of a sex workers perspective.
2: Why read it at all? Well, Wasn't say I don't read it, but okay, <laughs> when say... people
0: ask me questions about passages, it goes through a sexual lens first. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yep.
2: okay.
1: You, have you read the Bible lately? <laughs> <laughs> ever? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever read the Bible <laughs> No, like yeah, recently? Right like, way, so, like
2: like like as of like post? I you know. I a little. The hard thing. I haven't talked about this at all, but no, I've I've read it a little bit because I've been looking up, so like I'm interested in the history of it because I think there's still, my focus is so much on people who are still in it or coming out of it. Mm. So there's verses that are used, like for example, like there's a lot of patriarchal teachings that are like, Mm -hmm. that play into abuse cases. So Mm -hmm. like historically though, like a lot of those passages are written in really revolutionary ways. Like, I mean, there are passages where like consent is, taught uh, not not as progressive as it would be now but mm-hmm. like some of the things Paul. but said, it was culturally progressive some at the of time. the things paul said were like for jewish households i mean the fact that it was like submit to one another right like that was not something mm-hmm. that would have been popular at the time so like i'll read stuff in that light but like when it comes to like getting wisdom for life i'm just like there's so many modern books <laughs> that are so much more applicable mm-hmm. and you're not picking apart like yeah cultural context says, yeah. if you're being raped and you don't scream out then you need to be stoned it's like, right. what? like, like that's, <laughs> what like that doesn't play into like what really happens or the whole slaves you obey up. your masters thing right like there's a lot of things that just i'm just like why dig through like i do believe spit out the bones but then also like there's Less bony b- b- bunks, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure percent that makes
0: sense. Yes, totally agree.
2: Now you
1: are doing a lot of OnlyFans stuff, but you're also mm-hmm. doing some coaching, mm-hmm. you do some traveling, speaking, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. What's got you like really stoked about what you're working on these days?
0: You know, I had lunch with one. my. You guys want one?
1: We're trying to get Mountain Dew to sponsor us. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. are going to get a cease and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are the other. One or cool the other. <laughs> stop
1: tagging <laughs> us, please. <laughs> Have you had was, these
3: though? No, I've not. They're
1: Mountain Dew
3: hard d- seltzers. Oh my God. But zero sugar. So they're even better than soda. Zero sugar, soda. No, no caffeine. Yeah. I don't think this
2: conversation is sponsor material. Yeah. I don't think Mountain Dew's <laughs> <who's> like,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't drink her normal stuff and drink alcohol. That's amazing. That's yeah, fantastic. Sorry.
0: No. So I just had lunch with my personal assistant this week for her birthday. She's also a really good friend of mine. And she had a photo shoot this week at my house. And she was there because she works my house full time. And she goes, Nicole, there have been two times, two things you do that I've never seen you be happier when you do them. You laugh the most, you come the most alive. She goes, it's your photo shoots. Now that I've seen you do one, I could not believe how much fun you're having. She like, during my shoot, she'd stop and run up to the room to get, she's like, you're having too much fun. I like want to be part of this. Like she would join. And then she's like, and when you're coaching. She's like, you are so alive. And those are the two things I love the most. I love, and I started my coaching before my adult work. So I've been coaching for almost five years. Mm-hmm. Love coaching. I love helping people. I love helping people's lives change and come home to themselves and make their wildest dreams come true. And then I love filming, creating, making adult content. I just, it's another way I come alive. And so those are the two loves of my life that make me so happy and make me a lot of money. So it's amazing.
2: With coaching, what do you see as the goal for somebody who's getting life coached? Like, because you're not, it's easier when you're pastoring, right? Because you're saying align to this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like here's what, the measuring stick. Yeah. What is success? <laughs> you're messing up, like up here and here. <laughs> when there's not black and white.
0: Yeah, that's I think why I love it so much. I live in the gray, and I feel like, and every client's so different. So a question I'll ask my clients is like, what do you want? And even that can be a radical question for some people, especially those raised in the church because we were denied our wants and our desires. Mm -hmm. We were told what to want. So they're like, I don't even know. I thought I wanted this, but like, that's what I was told to want. And so they, and that's part of our healing process, like returning them back to their desires, back to their bodies, back to their intuition. And then we build a life based on that. But everyone's so different. Some people come to me like, I want to make a crap ton more money. I'm like, girl, I got you. (laughs) I want to like become one of the top leaders in my industry. I got you. I want to... Um, have the most romantic and pleasurable relationship. And the best thing about it is like, you come to me for one thing, but it bleeds over into everything. And so we transform this one area of your life, but we end up transforming your whole life. And it's some of the most rewarding work. It's bigger, it's more nuanced, it's more integrated than what I experienced in the church. That's awesome.
1: This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with If you need to higher, you need Indeed. How do your kids fit into like travel schedule and all that stuff? And then talk to us about now the relationship that you had with your ex because mm-hmm. you had a, a lot of really great things to say mm-hmm. about how that all went down. Yeah. And then you had this kind of weird thing where you both started out on opposite sides and then ended up on opposite sides. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about about that as well.
0: Yeah. That's one perk of divorce is split custody. So when they're with their dad, I can travel. So i save almost all my traveling for when they're with him so that when they're with me, I'm home with them full time. And then when they're back at their dads, I do all my traveling for work. So it's really sweet in that way. My ex and I had a great, I mean, divorce was extremely hard and it's His own trauma. Um, I never saw it coming, so that was also really shocking and heartbreaking for me. And I remember begging God back then. This was in 2020. We were on the 2020 couples that got divorced. Like, God, please, please don't, don't let this be my story. This was not part of the plan. I didn't want this to end, and it, it shattered me. But now that I've made it through on the other side, it is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I just didn't obviously see that when it happened. So I grieved a lot, and I wanted him so badly, and then we are still really tender towards each other after the divorce. I think because of that, because it wasn't like, I hate your guts get out of my life. It's like, this is happening. And I, we're both kind of reeling from it. Um, and then only recently have we gotten to therapy. So it's been two and a half years since we filed or since our marriage ended. And now things are like all the bitterness and the hurt that hasn't been resolved is bubbling to the surface. I'm finding out things that were kept secret that I is now like kind of blowing up my internal world. And so, because he's the father of our children, it's important that we have a healthy relationship for yeah. them. So I'm, so I'm like, I found a therapist. I will pay for it, and he's like, I'll go with you. So we now are seeing That's a therapist, amazing. and it's huge.
3: Yeah, so after Prop, the yeah, fact that you care. Yeah, legitimately though, <clears> yeah. the fact that you care enough to, for your children yes. to have that relationship, like how parents get divorced and think it's okay to just do absolutely nothing, yes, but hate each other for your kid's sake. Like yes, it's like forever. crazy.
1: Well, on our yeah. wedding day, it was the first time that her parents saw each
3: other since they split up. Yeah. And it was, oh, like it was a, And it was so stressful we for we me. Like, like, oh my gosh, know, the entire time. Yeah, the whole time. Hopefully this, yeah, hopefully this time. goes down well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what do you do as a kid? You yeah. know, so mm. just huge respect and prop yeah. for that because that's not easy. Yeah, it's not.
2: You mentioned you went kind of liberal. Yeah. You went, like more conservative question yes. as parents. Was there a period where you two saw each other as threats to your kids? Yes. Like where
0: mm-hmm.
2: he was going like, they're going to, she's going to drag them. Like yes. my what if my daughter starts going on the same path, you know, or, what yes. if, or, you know, for you, like, were you going like, what if my kids start resenting me for mm-hmm. my work? Like exactly how do you have polar opposite beliefs and mm-hmm. then still cope? Cause I feel like that's, yes. that's easy to do over little things. Like, mm-hmm. Oh you're gonna make it where She doesn't want to do this. Because mm-hmm. you know? that, well, I mean, ultimately, that's what ended up
1: splitting you guys up, right? Because right. he, because you came out and he was still around,
0: right? It was, yeah, it was many layers. Is like looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I now see all the cracks in the dam. <clears throat> up until then, I was happily in denial because, like, I'd been taught mm-hmm. this is your true love. It is forever. There's why even look at it if like the divorce was never an option. Yeah. So right. it's like yep. no cracks, no cracks, no cracks. And when the dam burst. It's like, oh crap. And now I look back and I see, there are so many reasons what led to our divorce, but that is such a good question because that's so real. Um, I think out of the two of us, I was definitely seen as the bigger threat. Um, You know, I lost my family over it. I lost my three best friends.
2: I did not expect that to be the- What?
1: (laughs) Yes, so
0: everyone made me the horrible parent, horrible mother, horrible ex-wife, horrible human. And it was so heartbreaking as a very sensitive person who deeply cares how people perceive me. Mm. I'm just like, I can't believe you'd write me off as a monster when like, I am like the one who's crying the most (laughs) because I care so much about what you all think of me. I care so much for my babies, but they, I think it was easier to justify their anger or shock or horror of what I do by making me out to be a monster. And they could say whatever and do whatever. And I was still the worst person, even though they're the one being the really horrible person to me. So I was definitely seen as a bigger threat. And that made my heart really sad because Mm. I don't want my kids to be poisoned towards me, but they were poisoned by people in their life. And so then it, kind of my reactive was like, well, he's the bad guy because he's the one poisoning or I don't want my kids to... Like the other day, my seven-year-old said, do I deserve to go to heaven, mom? And I was like, oh my God. For a child to ever question their goodness, their worth, their deserving... At seven. seven, I was enraged. And that's like me getting angry at my ex for taking him to a church. And i to swallow and I said, honey, you deserve all good things. He's like, oh... Okay, but he's asked me a couple times in the past week and it, it, that's really triggering because I'm like, yeah. I'm so against what the church teaches. So they're, so I have to constantly, and that's why I went in therapy. I, I don't want to make him the bad guy. I yeah. really don't want him to make me the bad guy and I want our kids to be the healthiest. And the the way I try to frame it, because I obviously I want them to be raised to what I think is best, is like they're not being indoctrinated in either belief. Yeah. They kind yeah. of are seeing the two extremes of the spectrum and I hope they find what works for them
2: within that. Is that hard to not... Because obviously you don't want to indoctrinate them one way or another. But like, for example, if they're asking, do I deserve to go to heaven? You're dispelling that quickly. That Mm -hmm. Like, where do you find that line? Is it just anything that would cause them to negatively Mm -hmm. view themselves? Or is it something, like how do you choose which things to say like, that's a hard no, like let's not go there Mm -hmm. versus like work through that. Because like obviously seven, you shouldn't be like, do I deserve to burn? For exactly, which is yeah. crazy like, I because think I I now, like because I told a lie. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, at my daughter's age, I, yeah, like I didn't take five, the trash. I was like, I was already, oh, I'm gonna go to hell. Right, like, I don't yes. follow Jesus. I didn't know what like, that meant, but that's scary. You yeah, know? yeah, crazy scared of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was that. It was his. I was seven when I like accepted Jesus as my savior because I thought if I didn't, I would die on the cross like Jesus did, and uh, I don't want to die like on the. Like, I don't want to be crucified. And I asked my parents, I'm like, yeah. so if I don't accept Christ Jesus, I will die like Jesus did. And they're like, yes. I'm like yes except me you know and it's like yeah, no it was kidding. all fear based and yeah. like and at that age so I think my, my answer to that is I didn't squash it like oh my it was just like honey you deserve all good things so just kind of like refuting it but in a very loving way so like he can yeah redirecting and if he brings it up again which he has I just kind of like I want us to keep talking about it without like, where'd you get that question? Did your dad say that to you? Did you learn at the church? And like, yeah, he's kind of, wrong, don't you do listen to him? He's like, wrong, yeah. Oh, I can't say anything. So I'm right. very intentional the way I respond where totally. you can say yeah. anything to mm-hmm. me <clears throat> and we'll guide you into like, I think a safer place to talk about versus like either hard yes or hard no, yeah.
1: I'm super curious about what caused your husband to get further into it. <laughs>
0: like <Yeah>. Bro. <laughs> 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 me too. <laughs> <Part two.
2: laughs> he almost sounds like he'd be interesting to talk to. Yeah, yeah. Like a part two. Part
1: two. Yeah, life. yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Other I people. will n- always wonder that till the day I die, unless he ever che- cares to share it with me. I don't yeah. understand. And did it
1: happen? before or after you guys split up?
0: Well, it happened overnight. So I, you know, I was on a, I was on a work trip. I was on a modeling trip, which he encouraged me to go on. I was like, no, I don't want to leave the kids and you. And like, I'll go for a couple of days. He's like, go for the whole, is I think it was a five day shoot. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, like super supportive. And then I go and then he calls me halfway through and he's like, it's over. And I was like, wait. And I thought it was a sick joke. I'm like, what? And I'm like, what happened? He's like, I hadn't encountered Jesus last night. He told me this. And I'm like, and now I actually believed him back then. But now I think, I don't think that's what happened. I think a lot of, I think other people's voices, I think he'd been occurring a team of people for this moment. I think it was all very calculated, but back then it was sprung on me. And so I thought it was random. So I was so heartbroken and shocked and like angry. Cause I'm like, this isn't how we do things in our marriage. We talk things through, we don't say, like, he's like, you'll quit everything and come home and submit to me and respect me as your husband if you're going to expect this to keep working. And he's never talked like that uh, to me in my marriage. So it happened overnight. Geez. And that's part of the trauma. And, like, no matter how much we went to therapy and I'm, how much I tried, like, I'm willing to compromise. I'm willing to do anything. And it was just, like, a hard no. And I was like, and our therapist at one point was like, if there is no room for you on your end, like, sh- this isn't going to work. Like, yeah, there. Yeah. And he's like, no, there is no flexibility on my part. And I'm just like. That's shocking. So, so something it was happened. more
2: of an excuse? or do you think it was mm-hmm. okay
0: I think it was a perfect like if I say Jesus said to do this it's like well yeah. <laughs> why what do you do argue? Yeah, exactly what do you what do, do you like?
3: out, yeah.
2: I dare you question yeah even, it's an easier thing because like I mean just culturally like that's such a like if you want to look like the good parent it's like I go to church and do this. And mm-hmm. like. Right, there's right. a lot of capital that you get And with she's on only fans.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 Very yeah. easy to find. So we're have to good
2: church case. secretly. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. I always say that. I'm like, you're
0: only, only mad at me because I do in public what you do in private. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's so that much of it. Can, that
1: is very. Eminent. Yeah. That's a good. Mm-hmm. The number one, uh, the number one state for porn consumption in the country. You guys know what it is? No. Nope. Utah.
0: Oh, really? oh snap! That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so repressed yeah, I and mean, yeah. starving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My only fans yeah, is yeah, OnlyFans. is onlyfans.com <laughs> slash
3: Mitchell you Nicole. start
1: advertising in Utah, right in Provo. <laughs> yeah.
3: That is crazy. I did not know that. That's, That's bad. So amazing. are behind closed doors. <laughs> I would love more practical, than I always want to get to like the, like the our listeners. That is so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. not part of Not that so. practical. She's like, okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think we've learned that a lot of our audience comes from people who are trying to get out of, from Utah, yes, no, <laughs> from people who are coming out of that belief system and trying to work through that. So do you have any like books or like read this? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to start your journey of figuring out, yourself yeah. who you are do you have any just like practical books yes. or podcasts or stuff like that
0: so at first I would just say like trust your intuition because I think everyone on their journey almost finds like their sage like their person or voice or mentor whether it's a book a podcast whatever that speaks them and kind of navigates them through that journey so for me that was and Doyle okay so she and I she was Christian mommy blogger and now she's not really Christian and she got divorced from her husband married a woman and She and I have a lot of things in common. So I really resonate with her story. So I always buy her books for all my people. Her latest book, which is the best of her three books, is called Untamed. Mm -hmm. And it lines up with what I want for every person. It's like, I want everyone to live an untamed, unleashed, uncensored life because we've been so tamed and programmed and indoctrinated. She also has a podcast called "We Can Do Hard Things," where we're like kind of like this. We talk about things that no one really wants to talk about, and we're expected all to be amazing at, and no room to learn how to be amazing yeah, at it. Right. But they do. So that's my go-to person
3: to kind of find your way to freedom. That's awesome. Yeah, Whitney mentioned that in our episode as well. Actually, oh, did she? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Do you know who Whitney Miller is? Mm-mm. We had her on the podcast. She's amazing. Oh, uh, no, awesome. Marcus. Yes. Her ex, his ex fiance. Ex oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. But she's incredible. Mm. Yeah. She was my relationship coach for a little bit, so we had her mm. on the podcast. That's and, amazing. Yeah, yeah I'm sure amazing. you guys would get along. Yeah, yeah you I'll guys would be, yeah. Up. I'll definitely connect yes, you guys connect if you us. want. Yeah, she's amazing. Oh, <laughs> so so good. good.
1: Well, I know we're kind of coming down to it. If so we want much. to get you out of here and get you to the rest of your schedule while you're here in Vegas, then uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Have> <laughs> <some> <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> which we talked about before, we won't mention. But but enjoy your time and thank you so much. Yeah, just work business, just work. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> thank oh, you for I, taking the time though, seriously.
1: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to have you and thank you for stopping by. Yeah, nice.
0: thank you. Thank this is so good.
1: <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team.